The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility. Responsible gaming resources. Hot, hot, hot. All right, we're back with Making Monsters, and Dylan, I don't know about you, but the Bears beat Kansas City. We're going to the Super Bowl? What? <laughs> I um I how'd you feel about the outcome of that game? Um honestly, I was a little bit surprised with the outcome. Uh initially when I first watched the first what was it like two drives, I thought we were going to be very very bad. Um and then things turned around, you know, it got a lot better. I wouldn't say well not a lot better, but things definitely got better mm-hmm. and uh it definitely I was like uh, at first I was like there's going to be a lot more of the same. And then you saw a lot of flashes. And yeah. those flashes are something that you really want to see in a young team. And then when you become a great team, it's those flashes become consistent. Yeah. And so the consistency is the real big key for the Bears right now. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think that obviously right away uh, the defense looked like they were struggling a lot. Um, they, But I think we can expect that. It's Kansas yeah. City. It's the Chiefs. We Patrick are not Mahomes. Ex- yeah, it's Patrick Mahomes. We are not expecting this Bears team to be anywhere close to what – Kansas City is right now and honestly like even Kansas City has some questions because they did lose Tyreek and you know from what I've heard though Juju's going off so I don't know between Marcus Valdez I think Michael Hartman actually got carted off of camp today too oh, so that's they're they're gonna have some issues with the receivers but we'll see yeah I mean it's Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes has proven himself though to be able to take some guys to the next level um so it'll be interesting to watch that but I think that if we could if I could name three things which I'll ask from you also three things that stood out from this game or that I took away from this game, it would be that there's playmakers on the Bears. And they may be a little farther in the depth chart than some of the guys we've been talking about recently. Um, Guys like Tajay Sharp. I just saw the PFF thing, and he was the highest-graded receiver from the Week 1 preseason. Um, And it's kind of a situation where we have a lot of guys on the Bears roster that are kind of either – young and rookies and getting their chance or who are getting second chances. Mm -hmm. And I think those second chance guys are going to be battling really hard to make the roster. And it's a good roster to be battling for because there's a lot of holes and gaps in it. So I think for for him, Jack Sanborn's another guy, Sanborn. I think Sanborn. I think Sanborn. Um, He is another guy that I had on our very first podcast when we were kind of going through our list of guys that we were looking forward to. He was on there but didn't make my top five, but he Mm -hmm. was one of the ones that I had listed. And 
I didn't know enough about him, though, to be able to, like, go on and a rant. I didn't know what to expect. We hadn't heard a whole lot out of camp for him. But guy was all over the field. So oh, yeah. I loved seeing that because, obviously, uh, linebackers in Chicago are what we love to see. Um, and I can say the same thing about the other side, that we love to see running backs and Tristan Ebner looked great too. Yeah. Um, so to me, I think if those three things, if I can say I'm confident in our run game because with Cleo Herbert, David Montgomery, who we didn't even get to see, and Tristan Ebner, I'm confident that those guys can solidify and be consistent. Um, we have questions on linebacker because of Roquan Smith, and we still don't know what's going on with Roquan Smith or what's going to happen. Um, so there are some things that are going to have to be figured out. I think Muhammad looked good. I think Tonga looked good. Um, and I think Sanborn looked good. So I think between those guys, there's pieces. There's building there's building blocks. Um, and then the receivers. Obviously, our question is that other side across from Dooney, uh, Darnell Mooney. We didn't get to see uh, – we you got it. You got it. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to say Pringle first because we did not get to see Pringle. Um, we did not get to see Valus. Yeah. But we did see Tajay Sharp, mm-hmm. who I just mentioned, and we did see a. Dang it. Hold on. I got it. Ek. Equinemius. 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 Man, I just went over this so much with yeah. uh, Jeff. And I, like he spelled it out perfectly in the chat for me. I think I just think about it too much now. And yeah. I'm like, okay, you get in your own head about it. Yeah, I'll get it. I promise. St. Brown works too. St. Brown, ESB, I guess some people are saying. Some people say EQ. However, whatever we want to call him. Uh, he, actually had saw... a, he actually had a brief cameo in the uh, Hard Knocks last night. Did he? he yeah, because his brother and he, they did a little bit of a... Yeah. Uh, like. Uh, What's it called? Feature on his brother, and they showed his dad too. Who I didn't realize was a former like Mister Olympia, yeah. like two time champion. And then his name is just John, and then yeah. he has his kid's name Equinemius and Amon Ra. Yeah. So, <laughs> and there's a third brother too. Yes, there is. Yeah. So, and they're all two in I, the NFL. I think I one. Think the two are the NFL. I don't know what the other one's doing. I think the other one is in college and looking like he should be in the NFL. Is from what it seemed like in the interview I saw of them. But anyway, so to me, I think. Um, those three things kind of like solidified whether it solidified a position for me or whether it made me feel a little more comfortable that it's not a hot mess. Um, I think that's where I left. Yeah. I think for me, something I kind of noticed was something that I didn't really notice. And that was Equinemius. He mm-hmm. wasn't really that big of a factor in the game. And you got to wonder, is that uh, the coaching staff already being confident in his ability mm-hmm. and being like, Hey, we don't need Let's to get take him. it easy. Yeah, you know, we, don't we have enough the injuries on our wide receiver. Don't need the corner. risk, you yeah. know, but like also at the same time, like I was definitely excited to see what he could bring. And especially what Clay Harbor said the week prior with all this stuff in camp. And every, not, not even just Clay, everyone's been talking about this guy. Mm-hmm. And we had the one jet sweep, and I think that was really it the whole night. Yeah. So it was kind of good. It, it was, was like, good. It was yeah. Play. But it was just, they didn't really, we didn't really see him a lot. Yeah. So I would like to see him a lot more in the next two games. Mm-hmm. And uh, something else I also noticed, which is, uh, which is kind of funny that, um, this is uh, something. This is such a bearish thing to notice. Is Triton Gill? Yeah, he impressed me a lot. It was lot. fun. It was I good. was having fun watching. Yeah, him. and like you know, like he's unfortunately probably gonna be pretty busy this year. Yeah, and that means he's gonna. We're gonna have to have a good punter, and like it looks like we have a good punter. Mm-hmm. And I do remember when we had first had the draft. Um, Matt Ariza or Riser, how do you say his last name? The punt god, yeah. as everyone calls him. He's with the Bills now. Had a great like eighty yard punt, and I was like, why the hell didn't we draft this guy? Yeah, but Triton Gill, he looks like a very solid punter so far, and like. That is a very key part of the game that yeah. doesn't get enough talk. Yeah. And I think he could be very solid for the Bears for a long time. And I know it's just one preseason game, but like punting is punting is punting. You yeah. know, it's not very different from 
game to game. And he was punting on the terrible field that yes. was Soldier Field yes. last week. Um, I, real quick, because you have a third one. But yeah, I was having, and it's funny because as a Bears fan and as of the way that things have went offensively for the past few years, uh, the punter has been important. And losing our punter to Green Bay hurt. And so I'm excited that it looks like we have a guy where there'll be no lack of like, oh, how are we going to figure out this punting situation? Because almost every single one was hitting like on the five. Yeah. On the the one should have even I saw some of the guys they kind of gave up on the play and it should have been on like the two. Oh so. yeah, there was there was a couple where it landed like right there and like if the guys running down there were a little bit extra effort, which they might have had during an actual regular season yeah. game, but they could have downed him inside the five yard line. Pretty yeah. much almost all of them. So yeah. and I mean obviously. Mm. There's a name we haven't mentioned yet, which yes. is like, how can you not mention it? Jaquan Brisker. Yes. What I a fantastic it. game he had. He had the one three and out, which was just. Yeah. On his don't, own. Like... Don't even need the other 10 guys out <laughs> yeah. there, whatever it is, you know, just let Jaquan do his own thing. And uh, he was really encouraging for me. And it sucked we didn't get to see Kyler Gordon play. Yeah. But like, Kyler Gordon got picked for, before Jaquan Brisker. Yeah. So like, if Jaquan's looking this good already, like. The Bears front office prioritized to getting him more. So, like, yeah. who knows what Kyle Gordon's going to do. So, And I think it's so exciting for me. And we, we talked about how much we've needed uh, the strong safety position. This episode, um, as I didn't fully say, we're making monsters. I'm Taylor that, Dahl, and that is Dylan Ryan. So we are going through these rookie guys on the Bears. A lot of rookie players. I said it earlier in one of our first podcasts that I think it was, like, at that time, 60 of the 90 um, but there's potentially, Dylan, 15 or 16 starters of the 22 that could potentially be the Bears, what are the Bears are walking out with as starters game one against the 49ers. Yeah, all those first contract guys. Yeah, and so I think it's very important to point those guys out. And I didn't say anything about Brisker. I knew you would, and I knew that would lead into what we what we get to talk about now, which is the, def- the defensive backs. And that strong safety position was so lacking last year that it's something that we majorly needed. And, and not only for just needing that position in itself, I think we also need it to help Eddie Jackson. Oh, I completely agree. And when, like not to mention like having that reliable thing on the back in the back of uh, your defense, it just makes the corner's jobs way easier too. So, so. much easier. And it, when you look back, when you flash back to Eddie Jackson's year where we were like, whoa, like this guy's Is this playing the next really Ed good Reed? football. Yeah, yeah. It, he had Adrian Amos. And granted, I think he played free safety in 2018 across from and Amos was a strong safety but it was just such a different Eddie it was a playmaker Eddie it was he didn't miss tackles like the last couple years we're seeing Eddie Jackson like not even know how to fully wrap and make a tackle and we're like what is going on because we've seen this guy who can make these plays um so I think in part it's probably frustrating because when you're on a bad team you start losing uh, if there's not good energy you start losing that momentum you start losing a lot of things but I do think that having a strong safety like Jaquan Brisker who um, can be a leader who can help with when it comes to just like the discipline and the momentum and helping just in general being like a good football player, a good athletic, fast, strong football player um, that Eddie can kind of say like, all right, like I've got a guy again. It's yeah. not just me out here in the wilderness, like trying to do this on my own. Um, so that I, I think that's just it's super important. And as we as we go through this defensive back episode, well, we'll mention a lot of young guys because that a, a lot of the secondary is that. Um, but one of the guys that I actually got to talk to this week, who we will bring in in just a moment, John Sauber. He is Penn State uh, beat reporter, 
for Penn State football and basketball, but obviously we're talking football here. Um, Penn State has a basketball team? What? (laughs) I know. I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, But he's the beat reporter for Center Daily Times. So I was able to talk to him about Jaquan Brisker. He got to cover Jaquan Brisker in his couple years at Penn State. Obviously, if you don't know much about Jaquan, Jaquan started in community college. Um, He didn't have as... didn't have great grades. Yeah, I think didn't I think it was like the, a one point nine out of high school or something. Yeah, and yeah. he didn't have a good enough SAT score to get into a Penn State. Um, so he went to Lackawanna College, a community college, and kind of took that route. And to me, if anything, Dylan, it shows his work ethic. Oh, it yeah. shows how much he would like. He didn't give up because you're at a joke school, and we've seen how if you ever watch like the. Um, what was the Netflix thing that was? Um, the, last Chance You. Yeah, Last Chance You. If you ever watch any of those episodes, you see how hard it is to play for some of those teams. So hard, especially with the idea like you go in, like Jaquan Brisker was a guy coming out of high school who was talented enough to play Division One football, and that was pretty clear. But the grades are mm-hmm. the issue for a lot of those guys. And so a lot of those guys have the expectation is, I'm going to go to a Penn State next year, yeah. and I'm going to have these amazing, fantastic facilities, and I'm going to have access to all of this stuff. And then you end up going to school in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, with yeah. like, it's pretty much like a high school, and it's just like quite the shock, I'd imagine. Yeah, and it, yeah, and I, it is a it's a culture shock in the opposite way of what some of these guys get when they go from a small high school to an Alabama. Like, yeah, whoa, it's it's that opposite effect of that. Um, but anyways, let's uh, cut to the interview of John Sauber. He really ta- got some really good stuff uh, with Jaquan Brisker. So let's get to that, and then we'll recap it a little bit. Well, Brisker's story to me is just so interesting because he started his career at Lackawanna College and because of SAT scores and some grade type stuff, um, he had to start at the community college and he built his way up and worked really hard to get into Penn State. And so it's really cool to kind of follow the story to me. But I'm interested to dive into Brisker, which we're going to do a little bit later in the season. But for right now, we are being joined by John Sauber. He's the Penn State football beat reporter for Center Daily Times. Uh, John, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, happy to be joining you guys. Excited to talk about Jaquan, who uh, I got to know quite a bit over his, his couple years here at Penn State. Which that's super exciting for me. And one of the things as I was looking through articles of Brisker and I found tweets um, and the tweets were yours. And that's the reason I reached out to you, because it was you commenting on several of Brisker's plays while he was at Penn State. And so it was kind of cool to follow through this Um, down here. You know, it's the it's SEC nation in Florida because of (laughs) uh, we're also the home of the Gators at 1010XL that I work for. But uh, it, it's very college football town. Everybody loves to watch college football. So it was it was cool to kind of follow along with Penn State last season and James Franklin and know a little bit about Brisker before the Bears even drafted him. So that was fun for me. But, John, obviously, when I see the story of Brisker and him working his way up through JUCO, ultimately choosing Penn State, to me, I see that, like, fight, determination, hard work. Is that sort of the vibe you got from Brisker and your time covering him? Yeah, no, absolutely. So he – uh I actually got to know him uh, pretty closely last year. I, I did a, a long form piece on him, you know, about his upbringing and sort of why he ended up in those situations. And, and he dealt with a lot, you know, growing up and he always had to earn it, right? Nothing was ever handed to him. And, and he always sort of operated like he had that chip on his shoulder and that never went away. You know, prior to last season, he was starting to get some buzz as a potential day two pick. Um, but he kind of never let it get to his head. To him, it was all just part of what he had worked for and that he was going to continue to prove that he was worth even more than that. Uh, and he kept doing it and he kept doing it and kept doing it. But yeah, that sort of 
you know, that toughness, that mentality, that sort of, you know, that, that will to keep pushing forward is, is a big part of who he is, the person, who he is, the player. Uh, you know, he, like I said, he'd been through a lot as a kid. He'd, he struggled with grades at times in high school because he dealt with the, the loss of his brother when he was when he was a freshman in high school, and that made things difficult for him. And you know, he goes on to end up going to the JUCO because you know the grades weren't there and everything. And he kept pushing and pushing, and and that's kind of who he is, right? That's the basis of of who he is. The person is that that uh, that fire and that fight. Yeah, and I think you can you can see that with Brisker on and off the field. I think because these guys that go through, unfortunately, some trauma when they're younger, a lot of times that makes them fighters, and it's that fight-or-flight sensation, and I think that you see that a lot from Brisker, even on the field. And we'll get to the his performance in the Bears preseason game in a little bit. Um, a little bit about the football at Penn State, because obviously he was everywhere when he was on the field, all over the place. Um, he started in 34 games. He, I mean, started in 21, played in 34. He had 153 tackles, 86 of those were solo, five interceptions, interceptions 14 pass breakups. He had five tackles for loss, which I think was like a record at Penn State for that safety position. Um, The secondary counted on him every game, it seems, to make some sort of big game-changing play. Did you kind of just expect Jaquan was going to make one of those plays when he was out on the field? Yeah, no no doubt. You know, him and and Jair Brown, who will end up being, you know, by all intents and purposes, it it looks like a top three-round pick. Uh, this year were, were the core of that defense, and Brisker especially was that leader uh, on and off the field. And on the field, it was, it's really his football IQ that stands out to me. I had talked to people prior to the, to the draft last year in that pre-draft process who you know, were worried about that aspect of his game because of the, the great issues and everything. But that intelligence has never been an issue for Jaquan, right? It was always circumstance for him that, that caused any issue like that. And the, the on-field aspect for him is he sees things happening before they're unfolding. The best example I have of that is, so their season opener last year, they're playing, uh, they're playing Wisconsin, and they, they had lined up you know, near the goal line with a chance to, I believe, take the lead or tie the game late, and Jaquan saw the way they had lined up, knew that the pass was going to be a, a stick nod that they were going to run to Jack Ferguson, their tight end, uh, and they were going to try and get him the ball. Jaquan sees it pre-snap. Uh, doesn't leave his assignment, but shades a little towards the tight end there. And, uh, of course, intercepts the pass, jumps it, uh, essentially seals the game for Penn State, or at least gives them a massive advantage there late in the game. Uh, you know, and, and that's sort of him, right? He's seeing everything mm-hmm. two steps ahead. He, he's thinking the game at such a high level. And that's part of why he's all over the field, because it's a lot easier to be all over the field when you know exactly where to be and when to be there. Of course, the aggressiveness helps there, too. Uh, he's obviously excellent against the run. He's big, physical, and strong. He played through a a shoulder injury last year, uh, you know, you would see him getting it. It looked like popped back into place time and time again when he was on the field uh, at, at Penn State. And, you know, he, he he's everywhere, right? Like you said, he's making plays, making plays in the running game with, with the tackling, with the ability to, to hit the hole and find the spots and fill the gaps he needs to be in. In the passing game, he's, he's everywhere because he knows where the pass is going. He's got his eyes on the quarterback. He's also quick enough to be, uh, capable in man coverage and, and smart enough to know exactly what his opponents are trying to do. So, yeah, he's all over the field is a, is a great way to describe it. He is genuinely a do-it-all playmaker in the secondary. And, John, there's no there's no hiding from the fact that Penn State has really had a really good couple drafts when it comes to guys being in the drafts. Michael Parsons and Pat Fryermuth both 
making play, you know, being solid on their teams last season. And then this year with Brisker and a ton of other draft picks, Jahan Dotson going pretty early. How cool is it to kind of see these guys that you get to cover on a daily basis getting drafted and performing well in the NFL or getting hyped up in training camp as the season is getting closer? Yeah, it's always, it's always fun to see people that you get to know succeed. Right. And, uh, the getting to know Brisker, especially getting to know him pretty closely and doing a couple stories on Jahan and getting to see him and knowing his story and the situation with his mom and everything and, and her the illnesses she's battled. Like it's, it's really cool to see these guys succeed and to, you know, you, you always want good people to succeed. And when you get to get to know guys and get to know that they're good people, it's fun to see, especially two guys like that, that I really got to know over the last year, see them find that success. And, you know, I, I'm sure Brisker would say that he is a long ways away from getting to what he actually wants to be. And, and I know there is plenty of upside for him, but just making it into the NFL is such an enormous step forward and being drafted where him and Jahan were in the top two rounds is, is a, is a major success. But yeah, it's definitely cool to see those guys uh, have a lot of success. Now, over here in Chicago, the Bears needed a lot of help in the secondary after last season. Jalen Johnson uh, was probably their best player, and it was his rookie season. So th- that kind of shows you where they were at that defensive back and safety position. Honestly, Eddie Jackson had his on and offs, and that's why they brought Jaquan Brisker in here. I think um, that strong safety across from Eddie Jackson, I think, will just help Eddie because when he did have that guy to just kind of be there and be solid and be consistent, it did help him earlier in his career. And we just haven't had that recently so uh, those those are the only two guys though Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson that really made any positive constant plays throughout the season last year Ryan Poles and Eberflus really made a major focus and when they drafted Jaquan Brisker and they drafted Kyler Gordon early they didn't have a pick until the second round so they did I I think they just kind of decided hey we're going to focus on the defense and the secondary because that's what needs a whole lot of help Um, but what can you tell Bears fans about Brisker that maybe we may not know whether it be something on the field or off the field uh, just because a lot of Bears fans are just getting to know him and don't know much beyond what they've seen in camp so far yeah to me it's it's the the on-field iq that, that i already talked about right i think it's it's not heralded enough for a guy like him that the anecdote i mentioned about wisconsin like he did that several times right he sees everything like that um the the off the field stuff like i said it's you know this is a kid who has been through a lot of trauma and has overcome a ton and you know there are countless stories of, of uh you know, you talk to guys at Penn State, how, how much everyone adores him because he is a vocal leader and he's the kind of tone setter, I think, that can be the leader of that, that defense in Chicago. You know, uh, like you said, Jalen Johnson obviously had a good season last year and, and Eddie Jackson with, with his coverage ability can be really helpful. But Jaquan is kind of that vocal leader that maybe is missing, especially with the, the you know, the potential Roquan Smith stuff that's out there. And, you know, with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who knows if he's going to be on the team this year. It, if that's not the case, there is that kind of leader to step up in Jaquan Brisker. And I know it sounds weird to, to say that about a rookie, uh, but he was not at Penn State that long because he was at a JUCO and transferred in, yet he immediately gained the respect of his peers. And I would venture to guess he's going to do the same in Chicago and that, that guys are going to look to him to be the tone setter for that defense. Which I I love to hear. And it's funny because I was going to mention that to you. And I'm like, is it weird for me to say that I already get leadership vibes out of Jaquan Brisker? And you pretty much just answered that there, which is good for us because there is a lot of young. Eddie Jackson's, I think, on year six or something. So he's a little deeper into it. But he doesn't have that very vocal, get the team together, rah-rah guy. And I think that for a secondary, you're used to kind of those trash talkers. And I don't know if Jaquan is that. Is he that guy who kind of like... Like, you know, goes back and forth with the guy, the receivers on the field as he's out there. 
So Jaquan will talk. Uh, it takes a little bit more to get it out of him because he likes to let his play do the talking a lot of times. And, you know, I, I know he's even evolved from that standpoint. Uh, he talks more than he used to to opponents and to teammates because when he first got here, he was sort of that lead-by-example guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he realized that the defense needed someone to be vocal. And so then he started to become vocal. So I think that's the other plus side to him. If he sees that there's a, a leadership void, he'll step into it. But if he thinks it's okay and thinks they're fine, I think he will – you know, sort of do what he has to to establish himself as that first. But yeah, I think, you know, he'll talk when he needs to talk and when he feels obligated to, but, but generally he, you know, will let the play do the talking and, and, uh, you know, he's a big hitter. He's a, he's a guy who can fall in interceptions and, and, and make an impact that way. And, you know, We'll, we'll then give it to you a little bit after that. Well, yeah, John, speaking of the big hitter, that's one of the things that I really noticed during the first preseason game. He just seemed super confident already. And I think one of the main things I saw was, I guess you can say that finishing act of the tackle. As a linebacker, whoever was taking someone down, Brisker never stopped on the play until the guy was on the ground and the play was completely done. And I loved seeing that because it, there was just several moments in the game. He pretty much, I don't know how much you, if you, or if any of the Bears game you watch, but there was one drive where all pretty much the three and out was all three brisker plays back yep. back to back to back which is just so fun for us but uh the ball carrier you know whenever the whoever had the ball whether it be a receiver or a running back until he was on the ground Jaquan Brisker was not done with that play and I loved it is this confidence something Bears can expect on a weekly basis from him oh without a doubt uh he is he is super confident in himself he is super confident in his teammates and that you know that's part of that leadership standpoint for him but yeah he is He's always playing to the final whistle. He is not one to let up on tackles. Uh, I mean, the the injury stuff last year, dealing with that shorter injury and making as many hits as he did, still dealing with that. I mean, you saw a couple times like he would make contact and you just kind of knew he wasn't going get to get up afterwards because the training staff was going to have to come on the field and fix that issue. And he was just kind of fine with it, right? He was just kind of fine with the fact that he was going to hurt after he made the tackle, but as long as he made the play, he was good with it. Yeah, and I, like I said, that's I. There were several plays I saw during the Bears when I was like, "Man, this is exactly what we've needed." Because unfortunately, uh, finishing tackles were was an issue last year. There was a lot of moments where you would they they would kind of not fully wrap. Or uh, one of the things I noticed Jaquan doing in the game was like kind of that shoulder where he's just so much strength that he just has to use his shoulder, and the guy flies forward three yards or backwards three yards. I guess I can sh- say. But what about that? What about the discipline level with him? We see guys in the NFL all the time who can really like they're those hard hitters but they can't quite contain it all the time and sometimes that causes issues with penalties has that ever been a thing with Jaquan or is his discipline and being able to kind of contain that hit better one of his good aspects yeah I I think that's a it's a positive for him because he knows when he sort of needs to make the big hit and and when he does it's rarely like just leading with the shoulder and not wrapping right he's He's always wrapping and, and, like you said, finishing the tackle uh, when he's making the big hit. And the, the hit and the force is more about just about how strong he is and how physical he is and the momentum he has rather than him kind of going going in just to, you know, dislodge the ball with a shoulder and, and not trying to wrap or anything like that. So, yeah, I think, you know, the discipline is there. And that goes back to the football IQ aspect of it. He knows that, you know, he, he needs to make the tackle first and worry about everything else later, uh, especially because he's the last line of defense there you know, as a safety, uh, you know, can play, you know, in the deep third of the field, he can play up close to the line of scrimmage and uh, knows that no matter where he's positioned, he knows his role in whatever he's doing. And he's not going to let sort of the urge to make a big hit alter that. 
Yeah, which I, th- I think is important. It's hard. I get it because, I mean, I couldn't imagine being back there and you have like every possible piece of ounce of testosterone flowing and there it's com- competition these guys are competitive so being out there and sometimes it gets the best of these guys so it's it's great to see even him as a rookie coming in and hearing all of these things because to me it sounds like he is NFL ready and that's some of the questions you get from the guys out of the draft would you say when he was going into the draft that you were like this guy could start for the NFL right now oh yeah w- without a doubt I, I you know he's a guy that you know, maybe the upside isn't there to be a top five safety, although I'm not rolling it out with his, his work ethic, just because for as fast as he is, the short area stuff is a, a little bit of an issue at times. But again, he's improved and improved, so I'm not rolling out more improvement there. But definitely one of the pluses about him as a prospect were the fact that he was going to be able to step in right away uh, and, and make an impact. You know, I, I think some people kind of thought that would be a run game only thing, but it was really, to me, the all-around aspect of his game, his ability and coverage, uh, whether it be in man or zone, to to uh, be a, a plus defender no matter what you needed from him was going to make him a starter uh, pretty quickly here. And it's not all that surprising to see him making this many plays this early. Well, thanks, John, for talking about Jaquan. Before I let you go, I have one more question for you. Um, you mentioned earlier someone to kind of keep an eye on this year for Penn State. Um, tell us a little bit about where you guys stand as camp's going and some guys that maybe we should keep an eye on this season. Yeah, so so Penn State is in uh, is in a really interesting spot. They, uh, you know, are coming off some some disappointing seasons and, and are needing to build an offense. And there are a couple guys that, you know, like you said, they they tend to have guys drafted uh, pretty highly, and, and that hasn't really matched with their record the last few years. The guys I'd be watching for this year, uh, Parker Washington is going to step into that role for Jahan Dotson. I think is is the primary target, even if it is a little dispersed a little more. Uh, wide receiver he's 5'11 built like a running back really strong legs good in the open field uh, good route runner excellent hands there you know he played uh, high school football in texas there's plenty of highlights of him making those odell beckham like catches uh jair brown the guy i mentioned earlier at safety similar to Jaquan and that he can he can do it all but for him it's it's primarily pass coverage he's taken over the reins of as the leader of that uh that defense this year uh Tied for the lead in the NCA and then with six interceptions last year, uh, was phenomenal in coverage. But has got continued to get stronger and get better in the run game. Uh, they got a de- defensive end in Adisa Isaac. I, I think that, that people need to watch out for that tore his Achilles last year and is now back and and looking like a similar athlete. So there's a lot of talent uh, on the team. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. another guy that, that people obviously know from his namesake, his dad playing for the Steelers for a decade plus. But yeah, there's a lot of talent, a lot of potential draft prospects as a team. They they, they definitely need to put it all together, and we'll mm-hmm. see if they can actually do that. But but I think they're from a a draft standpoint, they're definitely a, a, an interesting team to watch this year because you will see, uh, you know, a few of these guys go particularly early. Porter Jr. already being projected as a first round pick next year, I think is is uh he, he's someone to watch but yeah there are a couple of these guys that have a chance to go day two uh and potentially you know on day one next year well i'll definitely be keeping an eye out for parker washington because i do think the bears will be going after a wide receiver next year um is he a, is he a bigger guy so he's a, he's strong uh he's not he's not tall okay uh, he has a good catch radius though but he's a good enough athlete you know he He's a downfield threat because of that. You know, okay. he's not your typical X receiver. Like he's not like the six four, you know, two hundred and fifteen pound guy or anything like that. But he is a good enough athlete to play on the outside, and he's strong enough to play on the outside, which I think is 
is is probably more important to teams at this point, you know, with when when you look at that that kind of X receiver. Oh yeah, and that's exactly what the Bears are in search of right now. They have Darnell Mooney, who is also kind of smaller, but they've just been insert obviously Allen Robinson now back to LA. They're kind of looking for that guy that can be the perimeter down the field guy. Um, so that's definitely someone I guess I should keep an eye on because Penn State, like you said, does push out these guys into the draft. But thanks, John, honestly, so much for joining me. I'm super excited about brisker and i look forward to just seeing him this weekend and this season and across from eddie and hopefully that secondary uh takes a massive step up with him no problem taylor thanks for having me on i really appreciate it support for this podcast comes from smart water life moves pretty fast are you drinking water that can keep up smart water alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated no matter where your day takes you whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. All right, Dylan, so I don't know about you, but there's a few things that I took away from this interview. And number one, as we mentioned before getting into the interview, he didn't have grades, the good enough grades to get into Penn State. He struggled, didn't have good SAT scores. But from what John said, his IQ is very – there's not an IQ problem there. It was a lot of other personal issues. And I, I don't know, like I personally went through a lot in high school and there was a lot of family stuff that went on. And I struggled one of my years and it was directly correlated to that. Like I never in my life struggled with school until this one year when I lost some family members and it, it got, it was a rough year. Yeah. So I can directly relate to somebody like that, who how much it really affects you when you have so much outside stuff going on that you don't get to put 100% of yourself into school. Yeah. And I think when everyone hears like, oh, like this guy had like a 1.9 GPA and didn't get enough, good, good, didn't get a good enough SAT school to go to Penn State. Like this guy, an idiot. And it's just like, that is such a shallow way to look at something like that because yeah. like, as as John mentioned, Jaquan lost his brother as a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. That would kill me. Oh my god! You know, like absolutely kill me. And like the idea that like now you have a twin brother. Yeah, like, I have a twin brother, and like I have a younger brother too. And like the idea that I could like go out there and like care about school, like no, like no I way. I didn't like school being happy. You know, yeah. like the idea of like being depressed and like going to school and like, having to do all that stuff. Like Can't it's imagine. not I mean, something that everyone can do, especially at such a young age yeah. too. And like. I imagine a lot of the places where he was able to like take out a lot of that energy was on the football, football field. field. Yeah. So and you could tell because the way the athlete that he is and the amount of work and effort he still put into the football side enough to go to Lackawanna and still be a good enough football player where they were looking at him like, OK, let's get you somewhere else because yeah. you could be playing. You should be playing football somewhere else. Yeah. So, yes, you could tell he it was one of those situations where he put the only way he could probably shut out all of the the trauma and chaos that was happening with that is through football. Yeah, and like uh, I think something else that I think a lot of fans need to recognize is like, yes, you don't love seeing players not do well in school, but I think Cardell Jones, a couple of years back, put it the best way is he didn't go to Ohio State to play school. Yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, like it really doesn't matter yeah. how they do it. Like, you know, you'd like to see someone do well, but at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's like if they're good in between the lines, I don't give a crap what you did in biology. You yeah. know, like it doesn't matter to me at all. So. Yeah. And especially when you are, when we're strictly talking about like if a player can play football. Yeah. Like, it's just and like, it, we see the guys in the NFL who we can tell just aren't quite the 
football smart guys, and we use that word a lot of times, I think, for quarterbacks more. Yeah. Um, like, are they football smart or are they just like naturally athletic and, you know, can release a ball 60 yards down the field? And so I think like in that aspect, you look for the importance, but it shows that there's no direct correlation between those yeah, two things. I completely agree. Um, one of the other things that I noticed, though, when he was talking about Jaquan Brisker was about his leadership. So he pretty much said that he came a newbie to Penn State and kind of took over and was a leader on that secondary. And I think that's uh, what the Bears need. I think the Bears need. I love Jalen Johnson. Eddie Jackson, I own an Eddie Jackson jersey, and I am rooting for Eddie Jackson to be the Eddie that we saw before. I think Kyler Gordon's going to be fun, but I really get the vibes that Jaquan Brisker could be that guy who kind of like takes the reins of the secondary and is like, I'll be your guy. Like, let's do this. Yeah. I feel like he's like the grittiest of all of them, you know, because mm-hmm. like Eddie Jackson, like he is, he's not the kind of guy that's going to knock someone's block off. Yeah. You know, like he'll have a couple of good hits here and there, but like Jaquan Brisker is an attacker. And like, I think a very good example was that the one drive where he pretty much made a play on every aspect of the game yeah. where like it was either pass defense or tackling or getting in the backfield, you know, and he was just pretty much everywhere. And mm-hmm. like, that kind of intensity and that grittiness kind of shows to the other players. And just like, wow, like I need to step up because this guy's trying so much harder. Yeah. And I think that when you just mentioned that play, because as they're, the announcers are talking, they're like, it was Jaquan Brisker. It was Jaquan Brisker again. And then it was Jaquan Brisker again. Yeah. And I remember being like, if this is even a glimpse of what it's like, this is going to be so exciting to and watch like, him because he was just everywhere. Yeah, and and the most exciting thing is he's not our only fun young uh fun young defensive cool. back. Yeah. Like we got Jalen Johnson, we got Kyler Gordon, yeah. like and then not to mention the deaf guys. Like they're yeah. not bad either. So uh, yeah, and I, so I think it's going to be it's going to be fun. So one of the other things that stood out, and then I'll see if anything popped out to you from uh John's interview, but the other one was he, when he mentioned about like his discipline side of it. And I asked the question if like penalties were ever an issue because you have these guys in the NFL and they're big, they're rugged, they're hard hitters. Uh, The first name that comes to my head, that one that just didn't pan out that we thought was because he was that was John Bostic. Yeah. Um, John (laughs) Boom Bostic. I remember the the hit against uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who was it? When he was at Florida and he just absolutely killed him. You're just like, this guy's going to be a stud Massive. for years. And then I remember, I think it was his first game against the Bears. He drilled somebody and it was just like, I think he got penalized. And it, it, that was like the start of like, okay, he can't contain it. Like yeah. he can't And then look what happened in Washington last year. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that that's where my question was kind of leading in that. Like, are we, do we need to be worried that we're getting a guy who doesn't have the discipline to be like, okay, this is when I need to hit. This is how I hit. This is how I tackle. Um, Because the NFL is very nitpicky nowadays. And they have even this year intensified the illegal contact. That's the thing I get. They're putting emphasis on this year. Last year it was that pass interference, I think. Um, And then this year it was, it's illegal contact. So, they're getting very, very nitpicky of how you tackle, where exactly you tackle on the body. So it's questions that I, I think make sense to ask for somebody because the last thing the Bears want are another team full of penalties. Um, and he pretty much said, nope, that's not true. He's not going to get penal- penalties. And as I started looking more after the interview, Kyler, uh, Jaquan Brisker was the, I want to say, the least penalized safety in college football throughout his time at Penn State. Love to hear that. Like, what? That yeah. is, is, and I didn't even see that. Like, I asked the question, did the interview, then afterwards I was like, I wonder, like, how many penalties he actually did get. Virtually none. 
Yeah. And I think when you got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you know, so when you got to play twice a year, like you got to be disciplined. Oh, yeah. And when you're. Because he, uh, he eggs those on. He will you on them. 100%. Yeah. He's the kind of guy who's going to put the ball in the place where his receiver can draw a penalty or get a guy offside, do whatever you need to do. And like, there is not alert. He is a special talent, Rodgers, mm-hmm. but he's not the only guy in the league that's like that. Yeah. So, like, it's an important aspect. We just, we game. see it the most from him because we face him twice a year and yeah. he annoys us more than most because he beats us all the time. We so. don't have to talk about the beatest part. Just talk about the annoying part. <laughs> it's annoying. Um, was there anything in there that popped out when he was talking about? Um, I think I think something that you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier um, was the fact that he was only at Penn State for two years and he pr- kind of pretty early established himself as a leader. Mm-hmm. And if you look at this current Bears roster, they're isn't really anyone on the team that's like a grizzled vet of the Bears. Like yeah. you have a guys like Roquan and Eddie who've been around for like what five, six years. Yeah. And so like that is pretty comparable to me to where a guy who's been at a program for four years and has a guy come in, you know, that's only been around for a couple of years and he still manages to oversee him and be mm-hmm. the leader. So I could see him doing something very similar with the Bears where like he comes in and establishes himself as a leader, working very hard and, you know, manages to be become a voice in the locker room where yeah. you don't necessarily the rookies doing that a lot. Yeah. And I, I think that Losing uh, Khalil Mack takes that kind of leadership away from what the Bears had. Khalil Mack was kind of like the anchor of that defensive side of the ball. And Hicks, too, honestly. And Hicks, both of them. Yeah, that's a good point because both of them were so like – it was their team. Like, that was their defense, and they were there, too. Like, even when they were hurt and they were on the sideline, you constantly saw them, like, you know, going back and forth. They grab a guy. They're the first one to be like, hey, good job, or what are you doing, you know? Um, So it's good to – to think that Jaquan could be that guy. Um, so I don't know. It, it's cool to talk to somebody like that who not only I went into this interview because, as I, I mentioned in that, I saw tweets that he was live tweeting um, of a game from Jaquan, of Jaquan playing. I want to say it, it was not last year, but the season before that popped up and he was having some crazy game. But I didn't know that he actually, like, wrote a long story. Oh, like, yeah, like a long-depth form, piece. in-depth article about yeah. him. Yeah, and so he knows Jaquan very well and on every level that you could ask for, um, which is really cool because that means we're not getting a guy who's just strictly watched him play football talking about him. We're watching a guy that's very closely He knows Jaquan the person, not just the player. Yes. Um, So anyways, obviously Jaquan's not the only one that we have on this defensive backs that are young. Jalen Johnson, we've mentioned Kyler Gordon. Uh, We didn't get to see Kyler Gordon. He did not play. He's been injured. He's back to practice this week. So, I mean, do you expect him? Do you think he'll play? It's tomorrow. You know, we play tomorrow. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, actually, like it, sorry, today, today, yeah, because we're recording, but this comes out. This in the is morning. the t- podcast, it gets very confusing with the timing <laughs> and stuff, but uh, yes, uh, Kyler Gordon, it wouldn't shock me if they had him sit out again, you know, yeah. just to play it safe, but also at the same time, I really would love to see him out there, you know, same. get his feet wet. And uh, I mean, I did not love watching Lamar Jackson. Uh, play. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, Lamar and we're Jackson. not referring to the Ravens' Lamar Jackson, referring to the Bears' Lamar Jackson, who was not very good in uh, his performance against the Chiefs. And I would love to see Kyler in replace in uh, position or replacing him out there. So I agree. Uh, Lamar, he has some tackling issues. Yes. <laughs> um, he and I heard this through camp that he had some issues tackling, and we saw that firsthand. He allowed. Uh, the long was he, he had the first and goal in the beginning that he allowed, yeah. like the first one. So it's Patrick Mahomes, but whatever. Um, still, we want you to tackle, finish yes. your tackles, wrap your guy. Like that's things that we want to see, <clears throat> especially in that position. You're like at that point, you got you're becoming our last resort to avoid this from turning into a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And so we need you to tackle. Yeah, and, he wasn't very encouraging. No. Um. So yeah, that's a good point. We need Kyler out there. I do agree with you though in the aspect of like. 
he just got back this week, and we don't want to take the chance of throwing him out there and then getting re-injured or just, like, extending the whatever is lingering there. Um, I won't be upset if he doesn't play. Yeah, Yeah. I would – I would understand. I would like to see him the next one, the fa- final, the final preseason game, because after that, like we're in regular season football and we're facing the 49ers and Packers in week one and two. So we're so close. <laughs> I know. So exciting. It's honestly wild to think about. It's yeah. been we're close to honestly a month of our podcast already, which it's is crazy. kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, because also behind Kyle Gordon, other than Lamar Jackson, is also Kendall Wilder, which we saw last year. And it w- he was not. Anything wasn't it? No, not yeah. it. He's been injured too, so we haven't seen a whole lot of him. I made a few notes because I didn't realize that actually there was twenty three players sidelined because of injury. Um, I was not aware of that the, high in the preseason opener. That's a lot of guys, um, which is it, it, this is why it makes me laugh when I'm seeing some of the guys being critical on Twitter about like Bears offensive line is this and Bears wide receivers are this and I'm like nobody was playing. Like relax. Not only was it preseason game against Kansas City, but nobody was playing. Like, yeah. Equinemius was not playing. You got it, Taylor. Got it. Um, Equinemius wasn't playing. Valus wasn't playing. Uh, who am I missing? Obviously, Nikhil Harry is not out there. He won't be for a little while if he even makes. We don't know what's going on. Um, but then on the offensive line, Riley Riley Reef didn't play. We saw Tevin towards the end. Uh, Michael Schofield just got rocked. Um, yeah. But he was going against a Christians. very good defensive tackle. Uh, so there was just, there's, it's funny to me when you look at people panicking on Twitter over a preseason one game that you're like, this yeah. is also not supposed to be a team that wins more than six and a half games by betting odds. Um, yeah, I, def- I definitely had some reactions where it was like, you know, like Samuel Bears, but also it was kind of like tongue in cheek where at the same time, like you're aware of the fact that like it's preseason week one. Like, yeah. Yes, there are some things that can be concerning, but also at the same time, it's just like, Relax. Relax a little As, bit. Unfortunately, in the words of Aaron Rodgers, yeah. relax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but bottom line, we only have two more chances to get these guys out there, Dylan, to see what potentially we have. I like. I cannot wait until that official depth chart comes out for week one because I'm just so interested what the line's going to look like. Tevin's been back out there having starting reps Our right at right guard. T- yeah, yeah, right like, guard. Yeah. And so, which is fine. Like, I'm here for it. I'm put here, him where he's good. Put like, the best five out there. Yeah. I want to see that. Um, I'm just rooting for Tevin. Three weeks ago, people were saying Tevin would not even be on the Bears. You I was were one, one of, of them. Yeah. Um, I said I was giving it a little more time, but I was hesitant because it was a lot of weird stuff going on. Um, but Kyler Gordon and Valus came back this week, so that's good. Montgomery Komet, both back this week. Um, Jaquan Brisker got injured. Did you know that? I was unaware of that. He's day-to-day. He was on the bicycle during camp, and um, as was Tajay Sharp. They were both on bikes this week, and they're day-to-day, both of them. So that uh, will be interesting. I say do not put Jaquan Brisker out there if there's anything lingering at all. Wait till next week, week, the final preseason game. Uh, One of the people that I was wondering as I was watching the game that I did not see was Tavon Young. Uh, And now it makes sense because he's injured. I didn't know that at the time. I was kind of waiting because Tavon was the one they brought in that we thought was kind of going to be starting. Bus aside, I, I want to say in front of Kyler Gordon, people were saying he was going to be starting, but it looks like Kyler's kind of beat him out that maybe because he's been hurt, Tavon. Um, yeah. But he's still out, and Thomas Graham Jr. has a hamstring issue. He'll be out a little while because you know how those hammies just kind of linger. Um, yeah, so it, it's a lot of injury issues, and that's why Iberflus came out this week and said the starters are playing minimal. 
Yeah. And I, I do think someone we should really talk about is our best player on our defensive backs, Jalen Johnson. Yeah. You know, and I do think that this is, I think this is the first year, this is what, year three for him going into, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think last year he established himself as definitely a good corner and or a lot of receivers would like even be like, hey, like Jalen Johnson in Chicago, like that guy's that dude. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the year where he can establish himself as an elite corner, as one of those names that people know. And he's, he's going to be our guy that like, hey, that is their best receiver. Yeah. You shadow him the whole don't, game yeah. and don't let him catch anything. And if you can get to the place where he's like that, the Bears' potential is unlimited, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that it's been a while since we've had that corner. Like, there was glimpses of it with Kyle Fuller. Yeah. People thought it was, you know, like, I loved Kyle Fuller mainly because, um, obviously, he had very great moments in Chicago. But I also met him after one of the games, and he was just so cool. And, like, you know, when you, like, personally meet a guy and you're like, all right, like, I'm rooting for you because mm-hmm. you were just awesome. It was kind of one of those situations. And I was kind of bummed when the – Bears got rid of him, but now I think he's in Baltimore. He's now? moved around a couple. I think times he's in Baltimore. Well, he went, went to he went to Denver. Denver. Yeah, I think he's in Baltimore now. Okay. I want to say that, but I mean they got they got a nice secondary though. But who Baltimore? Yeah, Baltimore. Yeah. Does, so. Oh yeah. So um yeah, I mean I think that it's so important for us to finally have that guy, like you said, the one that you you know that whatever number one receiver that team has out there. There's actually there's potential that it's not going to just get run all over. Yeah, and we saw it. A little bit for a half, Devontae covering. I mean, Jalen covering Devontae. Shut him down the first half of the Packers game. Now that we have coaching that's competent, I'm hoping that when the Packers make adjustments or whoever team we're playing make adjustments because they've figured out now what is going on, that we make adjustments also. And I think that Jalen will get that. Like year three, he, I really think he'll start getting that flow a little bit more and know, okay, this is what was working for me, but we know now this is what – they're going to adjust to this. It's not going to be the same exact thing over and over again in the second half because good coaches make adjustments at half. Yeah. Do you think there's still really any concern in your eyes about his shoulders in terms of like the long-term healthiness with those? Or do you think he's proved so far that we don't have to be too concerned about that? I mean, at this point, I don't think there's like any indication that we should worry. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Well, I do. Well, I do remember coming out of college. Like, that was a big thing for him. Like the reason he fell in the draft because he was supposed to be first round yeah. pick. And yeah. a lot of the, people, the reason he wasn't was because he had bad shoulders. Yeah. And I don't remember. I don't think he's really missed much time since he's been in the NFL. I do think he had a couple, you know, weeks here and there where he was out, but I don't think it's been any long term stuff. But yeah. also at the same time, I do think that's something that you kind of, you know, got to keep an eye on. So, so it was it a thing he had trouble with in college? Yes, in Utah, th- he had he had I think multiple shoulder surgeries. I think. Oh, yeah. I feel so, like I didn't even know that. Yeah, he is. It's it is. It was a very big thing. I remember when he first got to Bears camp, it was something that he got, was kind of getting tired about getting asked about. You know, it was just like, are you healthy? Are you healthy? Are you healthy? But. Which, He's been I, pretty healthy so far. So but. I will say that luckily, when you, once you hit the NFL and you have like the best of the best personal yeah. trainers and physical therapists and doctors and all these guys, that hopefully maybe like within that within these last couple years, that's why we haven't heard it be an issue since he's been for the Bears. Is maybe these guys are they. Are, he's getting the best of the best treatment of yeah. whatever needs to happen. Um, I was just looking real quick because I wasn't totally sure. So he started 13 games in 2020 and 15 in 2021. Yeah, so I mean that's that's a good number. It's yeah. not like a, a, a small number. And I don't I remember it being like shoulders. I, I want to say his rookie year he had some shoulder problems because okay. that was like right after the initial thing. But I was just curious to see yeah. if, that you, if you still had any underlying yeah. concerns about and that. It, like I said, I haven't heard anything um, – 
since he's been a bear of like, okay, this could potentially be an issue. Yeah. So. Uh, you know you hear that stuff when guys are coming into the draft because yes. the scouts are looking for every possible thing. That like, could go wrong. Yeah. All right, when Justin Fields was coming in and it was the whole epileptic thing and he was like, it's dietary, epilepsy, like relax. I know how to, I know how to moderate. I know how to control. I know how to make sure it doesn't, like I don't have episodes, whatever. And so they find every little thing they can possibly find. That, yeah. Like, this person's had this for this long, and now you want to bring it up because they're getting drafted, which I get it because these guys are – if you're drafting someone in the first round, you're taking a major gamble that you, this guy will be on your team for a while. Yeah, and I will say, like, knowing my luck, the fact that I brought this up, like, Jalen Johnson is going to tear his labor next week. So. Oh, God, don't say <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, God. Knocking on all the wood if you can hear that. So I will say, too, because we were talking about Kyler Gordon. I think it would be really cool. So Kyler Gordon went to Washington. Yes, and played high school north of Seattle, um, and we're playing in we're playing Seattle. So big game for him. It could be kind of cool, yeah. and we don't know if he's playing yet. But it could be a cool moment for Kyler Gordon, playing his first NFL game. Forty five minutes from where he played high school. Yeah, and they, I mean Washington has pumped out defensive backs over the years. I mean his guy, the guy who's playing across from him, Trent McDuffie, was a first round pick for the Chiefs. Oh so, really? Yeah, they they are a and he talented, went to Washington. Yes, they're okay. a talented defensive back school. And it's going to be very it's going to be fun to see him develop as a player. Yeah. I'm excited. And I, I one of the things I read last week about him um, was that during the game, because obviously he didn't play, he was injured. He asked for the play sheet and the whole game. He was following along with the play sheet, figuring out what's going on. And that was for both sides of the corner because he's played both. Obviously, we're kind of expecting him to be like across from on that right side from uh, Jalen. Yeah. But I love that. I love that he wasn't just like sitting there kind of like looking up at the crowd. Yeah, you know, like I get it. Off. It's a big moment. You're in Soldier Field and yeah. you're in the NFL. But like I love that he was in the game still. He was still learning. He was teaching himself. He was asking questions. That's really important for a young guy um, to not just expect that you'll be able to do it. Yeah, I completely know? agree. And like I think something is uh, this kind of go back to hard knocks again. Uh, Dan Campbell, who's just someone. That is a person, like, I know that the Lions are our rivals and mm -hmm. this is, I love Dan he's Campbell. He's wild and he's hilarious. so funny yeah. and so great. But, like, something he said in the episode last night is, like, if you're not playing, like, I better not catch you looking at the stands or not paying attention. He's like, that's the one thing that'll he's piss like, me I'll off. He's like, I'll eat your kneecaps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, I do think that, like, it's very easy to be like, oh, like, look at the pretty girl up there. I'm not doing this, you know. But, like, he stayed engaged. He stayed, you know, attentive. And, like, that's the kind of thing you want to see, especially out of a rookie. For sure. And I, I think that as we kind of look through the defensive back depth chart for coming up, we mentioned um, Iberflu said he doesn't – the starters will not get a whole lot of time. I think he's looking at how beat up they are right now. Yeah. And he's like, let's take a little break, um, a little breather, throw them in, play a lot, you know, that game three, and get them ready for that season finale. But – I mean, the season opener, but we don't want to have to deal with any more injuries because yeah. it's just a lot right now. So I don't expect to see Jalen Johnson a lot. I I think Kyler Gordon, if they say he's 100% and good to go, we'll see him a little bit, but not a lot. Jaquan Brisker, he's banged up. I don't think we'll see him a little lot. Eddie Jackson, don't think we'll see him a lot. So it's looking like uh, Tavon Young's hurt, so I think we'll see more of Duke Shelley. Um, I think we'll see more of Lamar Jackson, your guy. Unfortunately. Because <laughs> um, Kendall Wilder is hurt too, so I don't know if he'll be out there. Another guy that I think also was injured is Duke, uh, Dane Krugshank, but I want to say he was practicing this week too. Um, DeAndre Houston Carson, he's... He's solid. I mean, yeah, he's been on the team for a been, while, good special team guy. Like It almost feels like he's been on the team for like 10 years. Yeah, but, it's been a minute. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Uh, so he, I think, we'll see a little bit just because he's that he's kind of behind Eddie Jackson. One name, though, that I do think we'll see more of. We saw a little bit last week. I do expect to see a lot of him this week because he's fighting for a roster spot. Elijah Hicks. I want him to make this roster yeah. for the sole fact that I just like his personality. Yeah. You know, like he did that video after the draft. He's like, oh, let's go Bears fans. Yeah. I bought all the hats. He had every I, hat I got ready. 32 <laughs> hats ready to go. I picked the Bears one. I'm going to throw the other ones away or return them or whatever yeah. he did, but... I, he's someone that I, I want to wake the team. I, I like him as a player. And he made a couple a couple good tackles, but he also allowed the 22-yard touchdown um, later in the game. Which you don't love. No. He's um, also, what, what seventh-round pick, so it's yeah, not like going to be perfect. I'm so. not – but it, that's a cool guy to see how it pans out because um, it's another draftee. It's another guy. Almost every guy we named, Ryan Pohl has drafted or brought in here in some form. And – with Tavon Young, Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, Elijah Hicks, Lamar Jackson, all of those guys. And so it, it's kind of cool to see that Ryan Poles is already kind of making his mark on the Bears in a positive light. And yeah. a lot of people have been very critical because there's been a little drama here and there. I even had my moments of like, what the heck is going on? But when you look at it as an overall, and Dylan, I don't know if you noticed this when you were watching the game, but almost every name aside from... Justin Fields, and aside from um, Khalil Herbert, and like some of the names that we had last year that we were Darnell, confident, guys yeah, like that. Uh, yeah, and Darnell, guys like that, um, were Ryan Poles guys, yeah. Whether it be free agency, undrafted free agents, drafted guys, USFL guys, there's two that he got, two both names we heard in the game at some point, and in positive lights, yeah. Um, so I think it's just really interesting. And I, I, one of the things that I read earlier was that Eddie Jackson actually has been named ESPN named him as the, uh, potential bounce back player of the year candidate. I could very much see him having a great year. As I said earlier, like, I do think it's so important for him to have that guy next to him. Who's, he's going to make every tackle. He's going to be a very big vocal leader out there. And Adrian Amos was that for the bears. Mm -hmm. He went to the Packers and he's doing that for them. Unfortunately, but since then it's been a struggle, and yeah. I do think that having a, a solid presence next to him is going to be very encouraging. Yeah. Uh, quickly though, to yeah. move slightly away from the D backs, I'm just curious about if what you're. How can we not talk about Roquan Smith? Yes, I know. He's going to Seattle with the team, traveling but not playing. They're saying. What do you? How do you? What do you? What are your thoughts on that? I think that now, I think Roquan made. Ryan Poles and Eberflus a little mad the way he I kind of because of the pup thing I think kind of indicates that as well yeah and I think that he took advantage of that a little bit I want Roquan Smith to get paid so bad I don't want anybody to think I don't want Roquan Smith to get paid I do not want the Bears to pay Roquan Smith 22 million dollars a year 20 I can do it I can be like okay we'll pay you 1920 but I cannot justify paying $22 million when we haven't even seen the defense that Ryan Poles and Eberflus are going to run. Um, I want to see Roquan in that scheme. I want to see Roquan working with this new coaching staff um, or at least hear the coaching staff say, hey, we're confident in your ability. There's something there. There's some sort of disconnect that these guys aren't like, okay, we'll give you whatever you want. Yeah. Um, this isn't the old regime. The old regime, I would have already been like, they screwed it up. Like, they did something wrong. But for me, they were doing everything for Roquan. They were they put him on the pup list so he wasn't getting fined. They were letting him kind of just do what he wanted during the offseason, not showing up, not finding him, whatever. Then he comes out with this, and they very quickly were like, you're not, you're healthy. Yeah. Like Practice. Yeah. Go to practice. Yeah. Um, 
and then they make he's traveling. He's been there. He's standing on the sideline. It doesn't seem contentious. I know, like when you have like a trade request, it definitely makes it seem more contentious. But like he, him being there and traveling with the team, like I do think a lot of that is like Roquan is just he's a good guy. He's yeah. a good player. He wants to succeed, and like you got to know you got to know know your new system. So yeah. he wants to be around all that. But at the same time, like he also wants to get paid. So like he's doing this little sit in thing. And like something else that I do think is kind of comparable is. Derwin James, mm-hmm. he got paid yeah. today. And yeah, he, yeah. he had doing a very similar holdout with the Chargers where, like, he was showing up but not really doing anything. Yeah. So, like, there was a situation in the NFL that was comparable slightly, and it resolved itself. So, yeah. ideally, we could see that with the Bears. So Roquan just, the, the, he's hurting himself because he doesn't have an agent. And, like I said, the, the Bears were trying to be cool about it. The Bears were trying to help him out. Then he came out and did it in the most, like, immature way you can possibly, like, I get it. There's frustration. And he thought he was being like the bigger person by putting out this like thank you to fans and blah, blah, blah. But the way there was like wording in it of like burning bridges and blah, blah, blah. It it just that made the Bears upset now. And now you have the situation where you don't have an agent. You're in your fifth year option. You have the if you don't play, you don't get that year on your contract. So Bears have another year and ta- could tag you. I mean, yeah, they're, gonna t- they're going to They have to control tag at least for three more years if yeah. you don't play this season for the Bears. Yeah. Um, And then the NFL sent out that thing with the tampering. So if any team is trying to contact about Roquan since he's under contract and doesn't have an agent, they'll get in trouble for tampering. Yeah. So he is just in a bad situation right now. And it's almost like a little sad because he's backed into a corner at this point. Like, all right, well... You're either going to have to ride this out and not play and lose potentially what could be your fifth year, or you come to an agreement and settle with the Bears. And I get it. I don't want Ryan Poles to take advantage of them either. Like the contract I read was really crappy. It was all his money was in the last two years. Yeah. And that's not cool. He was only going to make $16 million in the first year of his contract. And then it was like 16, 17, 17 or something is what I heard. Um, and then it's backloaded to make like 95, but it was only guaranteed like 50 million or something like that. That all just hearsay of rumors. Obviously, that was never official information, but it was things that were talked about. So to me, like, that's not cool either. I need Ryan Poles to be like, OK, like you are one of the best linebackers in the league. So we're going to we're not paying you beyond 20 million, but we are going to pay you to where you're making 20 million this year on your first year. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still do think it's going to get resolved and that. I don't love that it's become a public thing, but at the same time, like we've said this before, like it is a business. Mm-hmm. These are the things that do happen. And like the thing I just never understood is like, why not have an agent? Like I do get like, it's yeah, you, you save money. And like, but unless like you're a really, and like there are players who become agents. So like there obviously are players who understand this stuff. But yeah. like there are only a few of those guys. And like, unless you're like so smart and like mm-hmm. you studied all, cause like the NFL cap is so complicated. Yeah. All this stuff so the contracts confusing. are tricky. Like, yeah, all the like, clauses that they have in contracts now of things you should or shouldn't exactly. do. Exactly. Like or why can would do. why would you want to worry about that? Why are you trying to prepare for a season? And like yeah. you got guys like Lamar Jackson, Roquan Smith. There's a bunch of them. Like, yeah. Richard Richard Sherman famously. Yeah, yeah. He did it too. And like I I just don't get it. You yeah. know, like but hey, it's your decision. It's your money. It's your life. It's your choice. Do what yeah. you want. But I just feel like it makes it harder on yourself. So. Yeah, and it has to be stressful right now. Like yeah. you're trying to worry about like you said. You still have to, in some way, start to prepare for a season because 
I mean, I guess unless you sit and the bears are just like, whatever. We're but like, there also is the expectation but... that you could get paid. Yeah. You know, so you don't want to get paid and just be like, well, I don't I, know what I'm doing. I thought I, I wasn't going to play. <laughs> yeah. You know, I haven't been practicing at all and I haven't been paying attention to anything. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, this, our podcast series has definitely been fun because I feel like every week when we go to talk about a certain position group, like that position group is going through something. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, it's been interesting. But tomorrow, bears play Seattle preseason week two. No Drew Tomorrow. No I mean, Drew tonight. Lock. Yeah, Dang tonight. It. Tonight. <laughs> it's tonight. Tonight. I keep saying that because we just we record ours Wednesday night and then it's dropped on Thursday morning. So technically we're talking about tonight. But um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how much starters we actually see. I don't count on seeing a whole lot. I see. I think very little of Justin. Um, but we're not going to see a ton until the last week. I think. Yeah, I, I think mean, we'll so. see a That'll full, be like, a half bigger glimpse of yeah. everything fully functional and together and figuring out. Because I also think Ibrahflus is still. Figuring out some position groups, to yeah, be honest. He, there's the, the battle on the line. I think some of those linebackers he's figuring out. Um, so I think he's evaluating all of the talent a step back. And then that third preseason week, we'll see the kind of the the finality of if he, who at least are the final two at each position group of who we're going to do. So it'll be fun. But this is uh, Making Monsters, Taylor Dahl, Dylan Ryan. See you guys next week. <laughs>